We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Roto Grinders fam? Welcome to week 13 of the Absolutely Epic Early Week podcast. Math tells me that we are more than two thirds of the way through the season, which means we're more than two thirds of the way through the fun that we get to have each week. Maybe Bobby and Grant and I will just keep recording something each week and not even releasing it just for fun for the three of us. Uh, Definitely one of my favorite nights of the week. Uh, Bobby, how was your weekend? Uh, How much Julio did you have, I guess, is what that question actually means. Well, so I want to complain a little bit about DraftKings, but it's not really their fault. It's mine in the end. So I was editing a bunch of lineups, but I really only played four in the 750. And I played uh, uh, two big ones on FanDuel. I was fortunate enough to have him in both my FanDuel big ones. Um, But I had a ton of other lineups, so I had him in a bunch of stuff. But I thought I had him in two of my 750s when my friend asked me yesterday. And I looked over at it, and I put him in the mini mega, not the mega, whatever. Just the name threw me off when I made my last-minute edits. So all my mini lineups did a lot better than my mega ones. (laughs) (laughs) That was really Uh, frustrating. So um, I just, you know, it was was frustrating uh, weekend. Overall, it's been great NBA, so I have nothing to complain about. But – disappointed uh could have been a much better weekend had i uh, not made that mistake <laughs> uh i'll go ahead and, and rant for a moment before uh grant gets his rant and this is i guess more self-loathing than anything uh i wrote up obviously in, in the game by game breakdown wrote up how excellent of a spot it was for julio uh i mean we all agree julio is a top two receiver in the nfl it was a top two wide receiver matchup everything pointed to a blow-up spot i said that I also said that the issue is not Julio's talent or even the matchups. It's been his usage. And so I said, you know, he's an excellent tournament play. Uh, his floor is high for cash games, but just realize that you're, you know, you're paying 7,700 for a guy who's hit 20 points once all year. Uh, somehow through the 50 lineups I built all week, even though I knew that Julio was, you know, one of the best tournament players on the slate, I, I put him on one team and obviously 
I build all my teams, all those teams trying to find my one lineup and then just throw those into, into a cheaper tournament to see how they did. And, uh, so, you know, suffice it to say by halftime of the games, I had no shot because I didn't have Julio on my main team and really never gave myself a chance to have him on my main team. Cause I put him on one of my practice lineups all week. So that was frustrating. Uh, I was telling Grant before the show, I was going to lose week 12, no matter what, cause my team just sucked outside of Julio as well. But, uh, definitely my, my most frustrating weekend of the season, probably my most frustrating weekend in two or three years coming off of, uh, winning five out of six consecutive slates, having a really nice run there. So uh, moving on to week 13 after finally working through my frustration. Uh, Grant, why don't you tell us uh, what your rant is and then also tell us your secret to not having Julio and still having a profitable weekend. Uh, My secret to having a profitable weekend without Julio, I have no idea. Just all like I played four different cash game lineups this week. None of them had Julio, all of them cashed. No idea how, like, just everyone put up, like, 20 points. And so, I don't, I don't know what happened, but it done worked out real done good for me. Um, my rant this week, so, I went and hung out with Bobby on Saturday, and a lot of weird things happened to me. First, I, I, they were just all misunderstandings. I was driving, and my butter, buddy was behind me. So, of course, I think it's hilarious. I flip him the bird, and I'm just sitting there laughing at myself, and looked to my, looked to my right, and... There's this this African American dude just staring at me like, "What the hell, dude? What's going on here?" And so now apparently there's one person in my area who thinks I'm a huge racist. And then at the pool on Saturday, I we were sitting out there, and me and one of Bobby's buddies is like, "So I heard that guy ask like, how old are you kids?" And then now he's wrestling with him. And so we're obviously thinking the worst. We go tell people they're hanging out for a party better they're like is anyone is this your kid are these your kids anyone they're like no no well we don't know what that guy's doing we call security have them come up there and then we're standing outside and we see him leaving and we're like oh gosh we've got to do something we've got to do something and so i go up and ask him like do do you know do you know these kids he's like yeah i'm i'm their dad first of all the guy's like 50 years older and the front desk called yeah we've gotten that a lot that's apparently happened more than once and so yeah and then the only other weird thing that happened to me is, I guess, I saw a sign that said, if you've had diarrhea in the last 14 days, do not enter the hot tub. I know six people <laughs> who haven't been able to enter a hot tub for six years. Uh, there are so many weird things with that, including just the rea- like, the reaction when you said at the pool. I literally thought like there was a glitch in, in the technology or something like that something had messed up what you had said because I've been in New England and still am, and it's frigid here, and that made no sense to me. Um, we had a 90-degree Thanksgiving. Did so, you really? Yeah, that's not a joke. That's where I was. Um, and by the way, I'd like to point out that I wasn't there for that story, and I don't understand why they jumped, didn't just jump to that maybe he's like their adopt. Like, I don't understand this huge jump to that somebody is going to be a child molester just because they're playing with kids. My first instinct would be parent parental figure or yeah, but then I would then, then I would go there Grant, so, so there, there's a lot of different reasons for it Kenny heard that heard him say so how old are you kids very clearly not apparent if you hear that um that's a well, immediate red flag <laughs> but they were apparent though and they did hear that 
Yeah, apparently. <laughs> also, um, Kenny was drunk. It turns out. So we were yeah. sober at that time. Um, and then also, let's just say they didn't look like him, and he's fifty years older than them. So, like, I it, yeah, apparently it's a really good guy that adopted him. That's that's the end of the story. Guys, what apparently would happen? Really if, good what would happen if we had a whole podcast? People tuned in. And we were just chatting the entire hour, and we never got to football. That's what we did, and then we just liked football. (laughs) The Football Pack Podcast, with three guys talking, not about football. (laughs) Hey, we should pitch that uh, to Roto-Grinders next year. The Early Week Nothing Podcast. Yeah, there we go. Um, Sponsored by Roto-Grinders and has nothing to do with DFS. I'd probably tune in. Uh, (laughs) Listeners, feel free to let us know if we would lose all of you or just some of you because <laughs> I, it'd be kind of fun. Um, it does, uh, Grant, something you mentioned brought up something that I think is really important. We don't typically talk strategy on this podcast outside of just slate-specific stuff. But when you said the thing about everybody scored 20 points, um, someone had sent me uh, some lineups on, on Twitter tonight. They were They said they'd lost like – four out of five weeks or five straight weeks. And I, I said, you know, send me your lineups. I'll see if I can see anything. And I think one thing that people really get locked into is finding these high priced guys that they feel that, that they have to have on their roster. And because they, you know, have to lock in these high priced guys, they take iffy value plays. And if you build your roster, essentially saying, can this guy get me 20 points and do that at every position, you're going to miss out on some of these high priced guys you feel are must owns. But I think it's uh, important to realize that even on a week where Julio put up 50 points, Grant just basically added guys who put up 20 points at every spot on his roster, and you still cash because, you know, uh, if you get 15 to 20 from every guy, you're going to be in good shape 16 out of 17 weeks of the season. You know, there's going to be like one weekend that's really weird, and that's not enough. Um, So I think it is important to pay attention to that. Um, did I get too serious too quickly on, on actual DFS notes? Or? No, I mean, I think it's really important. Like, so depending on how the amount of high price guys I use on a week to week basis entirely depends on exactly what value is out there. So this week, yeah, it was really easy. Throw Coleman in, throw Hyde in almost every lineup. Cooper Cup, D.D. Westbrook, Coleman, uh, Doyle, uh, Delaney Walker. All these guys are cheap enough, and I can just throw all those guys in and then. Gurley and Bell or something like that on every single lineup and everyone turned out great just because all the guys that are like four and a half to six and a half K put up 15 to 20 points. And then my high price guys, I mean, Gurley only put up eight, 16 and a half, but it's still yeah. good enough with everyone else. Yeah. And that's really one thing I got away from this week is um, I, I worked way too hard to create value where there wasn't any, I used Devonte Booker, which is not, the type of play that I would usually take, uh, I think he was a good tournament play, but we were completely guessing on his usage. Um, you know, there were for anybody who read my article last week, there were a lot of reasons to believe his usage was going to be a lot higher than it was. But even that, it's still a, a guessing thing. And uh, so why do that just to fit in a certain high price guy that you want um, when you can basically say, okay, well, I'll miss out on this high price guy I want, but I'm going to get somebody I think can get me 20 points in this mid range. And um, I think that's the sharpest way to go. And what I always say is start from the bottom. And you know, especially if you get kind of out of sync and I'm, I, I don't do this as often these days because I can get in a pretty good groove, but this next week I'll probably, you know, follow my advice, start with the basically the cheapest guy at each position that I feel can get me 20 points. And usually that leaves 
three or four K in salary left over. Sometimes it leaves six or seven K and then you figure out where to spend up from there, but at least gives you a sense of how to build a roster that can get you points from top to bottom, as opposed to just um, hoping things hit. And I think that that's viable in, in tournaments and cash games as well, because if, if one of these guys can get you 20 points, things can fall in place and they can get you 30. So uh, just something to keep in mind. Uh, Bobby, did you use, did you end up using Mixon after Grant and I told you what an awful play it was last week? Of course I did. <laughs> that was um, my, saving, my saving grace a little bit, not quite enough, but um, yeah, I had him with Julio actually in all of those mini lineups that I thought were megas. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. It was a really brutal. When I wrote you guys a message asking you for advice, that was the reason why um, I thought I was doing it for the mega tournament. <laughs> and turns out it wouldn't have mattered. I wasn't going to win the huge money, but I would have certainly made a good amount of money. So turns out it was for a seven dollar lineup, which is less, yeah. awesome. Um, less awesome. Yeah, and that was another. You know, Mixon, uh, Grant, and I talked about, and what we said was true. You know, the Bengals are the number thirty-two run offense. Browns the number one run defense, but. What you said is also true. He's going to get 20 touches and he has talent. Um, on a normal week, I would have looked for a better play myself, like a better on-paper play for for cash games and small field tournaments. But um, this last week, why was I using Devontae Booker for 3,700 right. and you know hoping for 12 to 15 touches when Joe Mixon – I knew he was going to get 22 to 25, even in a bad matchup. Like, he's been getting – 11 and 12 points in all these quote bad games um, should have paid a little bit more just for the touches. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of mistakes were made this last it week. It was the salvation week. It was, it was the salvation week for him. It was the salvation week for Jones. It was the week where if you stuck with the guys long enough, you probably did well. <laughs> yep. That's true. That's true. Uh, and it's funny, you know, I find like different people have winning weeks on different weekends. Like the, uh, the, th- the text thread I'm in with, Levitan and Silva and Hefe. Um, I feel like every week, not every week. Okay, so I, I'm seven and five in double ups this year, and I think Levitan is uh, last coming in the last week. He was seven and four. Maybe he's up to eight and four now. But it's like uh, our weeks kind of stagger because we take different approaches. And I think that uh, it's interesting how you know just with different approaches you can come out with a profitable season at the end. But you're kind of like not celebrating good weeks on the same weeks as one another. Um, Whatever. Uh, speaking of not celebrating good weeks, we have some punishment to dole out. Granted, we all made good calls last week. Uh, Bobby took Jack Doyle. I took Delaney Walker and Grant took Tyler Croft. All of them produced well. Grant also said Tyler Croft would get 10 targets. I think he got three. So, uh, <laughs> and Grant got the fewest uh, points he per dollar. So, he said it on every show. We had like three other shows together and he said it on every show. <laughs> By the way, how, is it weird that every single week I seem to mention some guy and you guys always think I'm crazy and then he becomes a chalk? Was Croft the chalk this week? He was He was one of the highest owned tight ends. He was. I was, I was actually really – in this case, I was very surprised. And I've been surprised before. But, Grant, I don't think that, that – maybe you hold that much credit. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I'm not saying it's because me. Maybe you should. Maybe you should, actually. Maybe <laughs> He had four targets, by the way, and I think he dropped an end zone touchdown. That's why I crush it at basketball. Before people have chances to spend a week on their research, I can just do it in that day because I know the yeah. game. You yeah. have the week here. Everybody comes to their logic that you come to in a day because you're, you're quick with it. And I think it, uh, it makes sense that you know, Grant plays primarily cash games, and so 
the way he's spotting things is the way that, you know, as the week moves along, other people end up seeing those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 10 targets was a little bit extreme given that he hadn't seen more than seven in a game, but uh, still, well, well, it was a good call. We sort of dole out punishment. Uh, we said before the show that I came up with this tweet. I said before the show that it's, you know, it's impossible to embarrass Grant or so we thought till I read him this, this tweet. And I said, it's kind of like when Grant loses now, Siege loses because we've got this hashtag tickle Siege thing going. Uh, so apologies to Siege, who probably has better things to do than to listen to this podcast anyway. But he will see the tweet. Um, starts out innocuous enough. Apparently, Grant gets a little embarrassed by the end. So this Grant, this is what we have for you this week. The tickle fights got out of hand this weekend. I have a bruised knuckle from tickling at the Siege DFS too hard and still lost. Next week, I'm busting out the vibrator. <laughs> Hashtag Tickle Siege. So, <laughs> uh, listeners, find that on Grant's Twitter. That is at G-N-E-I-F-F-E-R-0-7. Uh, and retweet that. Um, if you don't follow Grant and didn't catch those letters, I will retweet it. And you can click on Grant's profile and follow him from there. I think this is the first tweet Grant will be embarrassed by. Oh, yeah. There is a little bit of embarrassment from the, like when, he, when Grant said he was going full vegan last year. And Not embarrassment. No, because he knows his friends wouldn't believe it. They yeah. wouldn't believe this either, but it just seems so extreme. <laughs> someone else, that's the part that he's going to have a hard time with. Well, the, the, thing, the thing that doesn't help at all is the fact that you put in the knowledge that I've talked about on multiple shows that I broke my knuckle. And I mentioned riding a bull. Am I saying Siege is a bull? I guess so. (laughs) There's a lot of good things going on here. Um, (laughs) All right, we're past the 10-minute mark, which is our kind of informal, unwritten mark for beginning to talk about football. So um, we're going to go back to our old format, not because of any feedback, but just because this week kind of fits more with – there there are kind of a lot of weird trends that – uh, I'm interested to see how we take advantage of or how we handle this next week. Uh, so the first two are going to be teams that have just played really poorly um, lately. And one, uh, I'll start with this first one. So we, we know Houston has a bad defense. Houston's bad enough that at last glance, they'd given up 20 points to Joe Flacco and the uh, 32nd ranked offense in the NFL. Um Marcus Mariota and the Titans are playing Houston this week. And Marcus Mariota has been uh, – Bobby, you'll love this one. Marcus Mariota has been bad this year. I know, Bobby, you have said that he is not good to begin with or certainly not one of – fortune this week too, by the way. I want to point that out because I know his game. He's such a little nit. In, from the 20, 20, in between the 20s, he's god-awful and he just throws the ball away. And then once he gets inside the red zone, oh, he's never turned the ball over. That's because he never makes any – tries to make any plays at all. That's why they kick field goals, and they have these really, really lame fourth. I mean, I don't know. They really frustrate me. Sorry. Please keep going. No, I appreciate it. Uh, so, <laughs> against Houston, I mean, we have these weapons. Corey Davis is a talented dude who got uh, – what did he get, 10 targets this last week? Um, yep. And uh, Richard Matthews, you know, could be back. Who knows? He's put up some good games this year. Um, like, how – how usable is the Tennessee offense against 
Houston this week. Um, and uh, so I guess it's worth looking at from both angles. So Bobby, I'll go to you first for a tournament angle as in like, is there actually enough upside here or since ownership will probably flow here to some extent, is it a better spot to just kind of avoid uh, looking at it at first glance? Corey Davis only had four targets actually this last week. Um, okay. I'm thinking of uh, DD then I guess we were, were yeah. both thinking of DD. Yeah. Um, I was as well as I got like, wait, wait, Corey Davis. Um, I switched it over. Uh, I think it's a spot where the ownership will dictate a lot of uh, my interest level here. I love the player and I think they'll figure out a way to get him the ball. And I just don't, I think Houston's defense is terrible. So I'll probably go here ahead of the field, most likely no matter what, but it really does depend on how high the ownership gets. If he, if it becomes like the most popular receiver or something, it becomes an easy fade in tournaments. There's no reason to take that gamble. If it happens this week, fine, it happens, but I'm not going to like, you know, if he gets to be like 30% and nobody else is higher than 20, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? And I, that's not going to be the case, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, it was pretty funny this last week, too, how popular Corey Davis got. And not not from a talent perspective or matchup perspective, but just that his price – he was super cheap on FanDuel, but his price on DraftKings was 4900 And I was – you know, I was right there on it. I was on Corey Davis on – uh, my main team, but really, realistically, you got a rookie in like his fifth career game. Um, there's a lot of guesswork there for making this guy shock at 4,900, which is cheap, but it's still pretty high for a value play. Uh, Grant, the Titans offense, cash games, what are your thoughts this next week against against Houston? I do not want a single person in their offense except for one. Can you guess who it is? Uh, someone that we would never guess. Let, let me just say Derrick Henry. I don't know. <laughs> no. No, it's someone you probably would guess. Oh, do uh, we keep guessing now? Well, Delaney Walker. It's Delaney, Delaney Walker. Walker. Delaney Walker, I was going to say, would be the other yeah. guy. Houston's not, or Houston's not a good defense. Flacco didn't actually do that much. Most of it was done the running game and then turnovers by Savage, giving them good field position. Flacco thir- threw 32 times, and yet he only had 141 yards. It's not like they really got dismantled by it. It was more about having good field position because of turnovers and inept offense on the other side. Flacco is not good. That's beside the point. I just wanted to state that. Um, but they give up a higher percentage of targets to the tight end than now the Browns do. Uh, they've become that defense. And so I think Walker's in for a huge amount of targets in this game. And he's still due for a ton of touchdown regression. He's only got one on the season. And realistically, there was one game where he should have had three. So I think that he's going to go off and he will be the highest scoring tight end this week. I love that call. Can I, can I counter something about the positive for the Tennessee potential offense and the negative? I watched that whole game with the Colts and the amount of times they ran the ball in first and second down, and just into the teeth of the defense just for no reason whatsoever with no benefit. And they stopped throwing the ball when they needed to throw the ball, and like, you know, in the end of the half or whatever, when they got Walker, you know, whatever. I just feel like they're so much – if they're down and they're forced to throw the ball, their offense is worth it. If they're playing in a sort of back-and-forth game, they overly force the ball to the running backs, and that's what worries me about the spot. Otherwise, I think it would be – if you're playing the Houstons from a head game – um, it makes a lot of sense to try and stack this game. Otherwise, I'll stay away from it. I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, I think that's a sharp point to make uh, that they are similar to what we've talked about with Seattle, a reactionary offense. They, It's crazy that they're 7-4, and four, but yeah, they are really just a play-it-safe offense, and I don't necessarily expect 
Houston with Tom Savage to take a lead and force Tennessee to get aggressive on offense. I don't think that that changes anything for Delaney, but speaking of the rest of the offense, um, the chances of Tennessee really opening things up are probably pretty slim in this spot. And then to, to what Grant said about the positive touchdown regression, love that call. Uh, heading into last week, I believe it was Delaney had seven red zone targets and zero touchdowns. And last year he had 13 red zone targets and six red zone touchdowns. So um, as those targets kept piling up, you know, people have been avoiding him because he hasn't been scoring the touchdowns, but the targets have still been there and he's still been putting up respectable scores without the touchdowns. So once the touchdowns start coming, which, you know, we saw this last week, one of them came and we're going to keep getting a few more of those. uh, Then he becomes even more valuable. Another offense that's been atrocious uh, is Kansas city. And they are taking on the Jets. Um, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, everyone's being held back by Alex Smith and Andy Reid. So how usable are these guys in tournaments? I mean, uh, obviously, Bobby, um, ownership is going to have an in, in impact for you. But, like, early in the week, are you going to be eyeing these guys or are these Chiefs players guys that you would prefer to avoid if you could? I feel like there's <clears throat> excuse me. I feel like there's better spots. There's one uh, player. I'll probably jump on Tyree Kill because I think the ownership will be low enough, and I think there's still massive upside there. I don't really want to jump all over anything else. I guess I'll play. I would consider playing some Kelsey if the ownership's low enough for sure. But I don't really want to stack this game or situation or this offense. I don't trust it. And I'm probably just looking at either one of those guys in separate lineups uh, a little bit. Uh, I don't even know how much it'll depend on ownership. It's yeah. It's weird too, because if you look at Kareem Hunt, uh, the usage has been there. I mean, you know, he's not topping 20 carries, but uh, he's getting the touches to be able to put up 20 point games, but they're just not getting in the red zone. Um, nothing's coming together for this offense. Like, I feel like there's going to be one of these games where Hunt puts up 22 to 25 points, but I don't think we're going to see a 30, 35 point game that just you had to have in order to win. And I kind of feel like the, the floor has been shown to be so low right now that I don't want to take it on, even with his price dropping, I don't want to take it on just to try to get 20 points. Um, Grant, what are you seeing with this offense? Anything that is catching your eye against the Jets? Um, I mean, not really. Kelsey at 7K, I don't think there's really much reason to use him there considering the other guys that are priced around the same range. Hunt over on DraftKings, and I'm sure FanDuel, not really a great play. There is one spot and one spot only where I think you can use someone from this offense, or it's a good idea to use someone from this offense, and it's Hunt over on Fantasy Draft where he is priced 100 more than Lamar Miller and 200 more than Deion Lewis. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he's getting three to four to five targets most games, not this last week, but most games. Uh, And then I I think the Jets put up points in this game, which brings me to the next one, and that is Josh McCown. Um, This guy's price is just not going up. He has 17 touchdowns and only eight picks. Uh, We look at Mariota, you know, entered last week with eight touchdowns and 10 interceptions and was priced at 6,300. Josh McCown, 17 touchdowns, eight picks, uh, 29 points this last week, but, um, and, you know, only 13.4 the week before. But then we got 17 points, 18, 25, 25. Like this guy is putting up points. He's only 5,500. Grant, thoughts on Josh McCown against what has proven to be a really poor Chiefs defense this year? Um, 
cash games, tournaments, McCown a viable play this week? Uh, I absolutely think so. I've been on McCown's nuts all season, mostly because <laughs> dude's got a great wait, job. Wait, wait, wait. Did you get the vibrator out? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Hashtag tickle siege. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, Robbie Anderson is turning into a good and consistent wide receiver. ASJ, like you realize that McCown has all those touchdowns, but you don't also realize that ASJ has had four called back, I think, so far this season. So his numbers should be expanded even more. He has three good receiving options when you consider Curse, and all of them are good options in the end zone. And plus they have three running backs that are all good receiving backs. So it kind of forces more touchdowns towards McCown in their offense. They have only 20 implied team total this week. I think that's low, but going against this KC offense, there might be weather. I think that might be why the total's low. I'll have to look later on the week, but if the total's still a decent amount by the end of the week, I have every plan in the world on starting McCown this week and pairing him with one or two of his wide receivers. Uh, right now, it's just showing eight mile an hour winds, twenty percent chance of rain. So I think it might even just be perception about these teams. Um, and, also, might be cold. Oh, like McCown can handle the cold. And look at his jawline, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, he's got he's got no body fat on his face, so he's get his cold face. Uh, Bobby, thoughts on the Jets' offense? Um, I am all about everything Grant said. I'm all about this Jets offense and I, I'll just play what is happening. I mean, the Eagles are terrible. I'm sorry, not the Eagles. The Chiefs are terrible right now. And I think it's a great time to attack. It's the only, it's again, though, if, if the ownership gets too high, I don't think you need to, to go there. I do think McCown is proven like he's, he's pretty consistent, you know? And, um, this is a good spot, so I don't know. I, I like this. I like this a lot. I just, again, I'm going to let ownership dictate a lot of this where I go because, as we know, early in the week, it does it does change things. And as a tournament player, and what's the been the worst played NFL season in the history of football, um, is it's a uh, the, the crazy things that can happen. Uh, you know, people get onto these certain trends. So I'm looking to try and pivot off chalk as much as I can because. It's, I don't know. I think there's been some wild and unpredictable things happening all year, and it's just crazy. But anyway, um, yeah. I digress. <laughs> I think one reason why uh, I don't expect Josh McCown to become particularly popular is because we have a quarterback at 5,100 who everyone was on in his first career start, and now uh, he looked a lot better this last week against a really good pass defense. I did not watch this game. I was watching Christmas movies with my family. Actually, I was watching Jingle All the Way, which is, is got to be in the running for one of the worst movies ever. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, of course you do, Grant. Yep. I, anything with Sinbad is gonna have some laughs. Anything with Phil Hartman's gonna have some laughs. Uh, I realized last night just how dumb of a movie it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm sure you guys watched this this Packers Steelers game. Um, I won't have a chance to watch it until tomorrow when I'm finally back home, but uh, how did Hunley look and how interested are you in, I, I, I think this will be chalky, right? I mean, Hunley and Devontae Adams against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, one thing to think about in all these spots, I mean, the, the Chiefs, uh, Chiefs and Jets as well, like McCown is having his good games when their opponents are putting up points. So I'm slightly concerned about the fact that Alex Smith and the Chiefs cannot get anything going, 
but I do love McCown. I mean, I really like McCown this, this week at 5,500. Um, I like Hundley, you know, barring what I see watching the game, but, um, but yeah, I mean, these cheap quarterbacks, this is a great week to go, go cheap at quarterback. Bobby, what are you seeing with your boy, uh, your ex boy, Brett Hundley, uh, and how viable is he against Tampa Bay? Let's say he's 10% owned. Let's say Devonte Adams is, uh, is as optimistic, but let's say he's 20% owned. Um, what are your thoughts there? I, w- I should have known he was going to have a huge game because I told my friend earlier in the day, God, man, I get a lot of these guys right, but was I ever wrong about Brett Hundley? Um, <laughs> I really thought he would have really done a great job, and I thought he was going to fill in and all these things. And then, yeah, he actually played last night. So I'm, I, I think that he's actually capable. Uh, this, this defense is an absolute joke. So I'm interested here. I mean, again, I want to see where ownership goes, and I think it's going to be a little chalkier than I would like. But I think you can play things like – I think you can play Cobb here at 3,900. And I'm not sure how much people will do that. And if they do, um, I think you can also justify not doing it. I feel like there's a lot of different ways you could go this week. So I've got one game I'm really targeted on right now. But other than that, I'm sort of in a spot where I'm – I don't know. I'm sort of like, okay, I could take it or leave it depending on ownership. It's early in the week. Yeah, the the Cobb thing, it's too bad he's getting so few targets because Tampa Bay, they're obviously bad against wide receivers, but they are worst in the slot. And, you know, Cobb has played well lately. I think that he could have a huge – like if they actually gave him eight targets, he could have a huge game uh, in this spot and his price is ridiculously low. But um, obviously the workload's a slight concern. Grant. What are your thoughts on Hundley and uh, these Packers receivers this week? I mean, I didn't watch the entire game, but from what I did watch, Hundley didn't look that great. It was more the receivers, the running back looking very, very good. And it was just Pittsburgh giving up a lot of big plays, which is something they generally don't do. But throughout the course of the season, they've actually played essentially to where their opponent's at. Tampa Bay's pass defense is obviously really bad, but they've held – not great pass offenses to a decent amount of points. Miami put up 20, New York put up 10. So it's not like it's impossible for them to keep a bad quarterback from doing a whole lot. I think there's a situation where Hundley is going to be overhyped and over overplayed, so I'm not going to touch him. I mean, just looking at this price range, I'd rather take Tyrod Taylor versus New England. I'd rather take Matt Ryan versus Atlanta. Um, I'm looking at the wrong site, but in any case, I'd rather take other guys at around a similar price range just because I I don't think he's that good. And if he's going to be played a lot, then there's no reason for me to. Yeah. And Josh McCown also in that price range. I think that this is uh, probably something that I'll, you know, I'm going to try to watch this game tomorrow night when I land and, um, and kind of see how comfortable I am with Hundley over McCown. Cause I do think that Hundley will be a lot more popular um, just because the Packers tend to draw the eye a little bit more. Um, I'm just now pulling up Tyrod Taylor's games against New England last year. So he had a game with uh, 48 rushing yards and a touchdown last year. Another game with 28 rushing yards, 246 through the air and a touchdown. Um, neither were monster games, but both perfectly fine games. And I think that the Patriots will put up points on this Buffalo uh, defense and definitely give an opportunity for Tyrod to get some garbage time points. It's, that's another guy that I'm taking a look at. Uh, yet another cheap quarterback in a good spot is Trevor Simeon. And I'm really interested in this one because uh, not necessarily in Simeon so much as his receivers, 
but Simeon's 4,800, which is kind of absurd. I mean, this guy has been right. Like he got benched and they went to awful quarterbacks and Osweiler and Paxton Lynch, but check this out. Uh, week one against the chargers. He put up 23 week two against Dallas. He put up 24, uh, bad game on the road at Buffalo, bad game against a, a good opponent. In, I mean, an easy opponent in Oakland, 20 points against the giants. Uh, and then he went on his bad run, right? He put up 15 points in less than a half this last week. Like, I don't think Simeon's awful. He's playing this poor Miami defense. He has two really good weapons. Um, if you're ranking guys, uh, Bobby, I'll go to you first. Between McCown, Tyrod, Simeon, Hundley, where do you like these guys? And then uh, what's your level of interest in these Broncos receivers who you know are going to get eight to ten targets? Um, I think it's interesting. I'm very interested in the receivers, first of all, and the, the, both Broncos receivers. Um, I also think that it's funny that I started Simeon in about 20 of a bunch of – had a had a bunch of lineups in like smaller tournaments and I had him started in 20 of them. And I was telling my friend that, uh, <laughs> he asked me I started, and I, I said, Oh my God. So I switched it to Lynch. Thank goodness. Oops. Um, but it actually missed the cash line in a few of those. Had I actually had, I actually left him in and not global swapped him out. Um, so that would have been kind of a funny story. That would have been great. Cashed because of it, but didn't quite make it. Um, anyway, uh, I like Simeon actually in this offense. I don't think I, I I don't think it matters what you are as a real life quarterback in certain situations, and this is one of them. I don't know if I'll have him ahead of the other guys. I, like I said, I'm interested in Hundley McCown and Tyrod, um, but I think that he's up there for me right now. Uh, I definitely think paying down a quarterback is a good way to go this week, and I'm definitely interested. Uh, you know, it's early in the week. I imagine this will get momentum. Um, Demarius Thomas is 5,300. So just throwing this out there early in the week, if, if this doesn't gather momentum, if, if Demarius Thomas is one of these guys that people are like, Oh, his quarterback sucks or whatever. Um, look at his game logs, realize what this guy has done all season. Also realize that he has underperformed against these Oakland quarterbacks time and time again, uh, they match up – you know, there are not many receivers that the Oakland cornerbacks match up well with. But size-wise, uh, playing style-wise, they match up well with Demarius Thomas. So it's not crazy that he had a bad game. I could see that being a reason why people move off him. I think that Emmanuel Sanders' ankle is still really bothering him. Uh, I'll probably chase him in, in some cheaper tournaments for upside. But I think Demarius Thomas is, for me, like you're talking about the same price last week that we were getting, um, you know, Corey Davis and Kenny Stills – Base, the same basic price. I think that Demarius is like an absolute lock for cash games. That that's subject change, but um, you know, as I dig deeper into the slate, but he's he just looks like a tremendous play for me right now. Um, Grant, thoughts on Simeon compared to these other cheap quarterbacks, and then and then thoughts on these wide receivers. I mean, I still think Simeon's like he's a guy that fades off towards the end of the season. And I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. The offense is in shambles. Uh, they they're switching around running backs, which they seem to do every single year. I just, I don't have any real desire. Like maybe if no one else is on him, but judging from the way you're saying things, it doesn't appear to be that no one else will be on him. I mean, Miami's bad in DVOA against the wide receivers, but they like, they're, they're the type of defense, them in Cleveland are two defenses that force a whole lot of passes to the tight end of the running back. And they wide receivers just don't seem to hit that many points most of the time against them like it happened but it's not as often as you think for how bad they are versus one and two wide receivers 
I don't think I'm going to be on either of them. There's places I'd probably rather go instead of them. I'd rather pay down much lower. I'd rather go T.Y. Hilton at 4,800, even though he's put up a crapper all but three weeks uh, going against Jacksonville than I would play Demarius at 52. Man, that's tough for me to stomach only because this Denver Broncos offense, it's like the Jets uh, under Chan Gailey. They just do not use the tight end. So my thought is no matter what, every game, no matter what, targets are going to Emmanuel and Demarius. Um, obviously, I could be completely wrong there. Any thoughts on on that? I mean, just the, the fact that that's really just not even how they run their offense, or does that still leave you concerned a little bit? I mean, that's not how they run their offense, but they'll be d- doing dump offs the running back, and they'll be running the game, running quite a bit. I think that they're favorites. They're favorites in this game, right, by a decent amount. No, it's a pick them at this moment. Weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, there's not a high implied team total. Yeah, Thomas should get six or seven targets in this game at least. But I mean, I just, I don't see, I don't see much upside, and I don't really see that much value. I mean. Just look at other guys that are 1500 cheaper, 1300 cheaper, 1000 cheaper. Uh, Josh Gordon, who I, for some reason, am going to be on really heavily this weekend. Westbrook, like there's a lot of Inman. There's a lot of guys that are probably going to get as many targets as them and are much cheaper and will have less ownership. Uh, that brings us to the next two guys I want to bring up. Uh, first is Josh Gordon. And so my concern is – uh, I'll throw you my concern, Grant, and then you can tell me uh, why you like him and why you're not concerned. Uh, my concern is, like, let's even leave out the fact that he hasn't played in, uh, you know, basically three years. My concern is the Chargers, <laughs> Chargers have really good corners, and Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser is horrendous. So uh, what level of interest do we have in Josh Gordon this week? That's the question, obviously – we know you have interest now, so what what um, leaves you unconcerned about those two factors? Um, Deshaun Kaiser is terrible when he's in a bad matchup with zero wide receivers. Um, look at since Coleman came back against Cincinnati, and he obviously isn't going to do well against Jacksonville, but comparatively to a lot of other quarterbacks to go up against him, he's better. Kaiser's not that bad of a quarterback. He's not good, but he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's done some de- he did some decent things in that Cincinnati game and now that he has Coleman back in the offense now that he has Josh Gordon back in the offense he's going to have two weapons that he can use along with a running back that he can dump the ball off to um, I think that this is just a spot where I have to wait to see what ownership is going to be like because if other people are going to be on him which could be the narrative then I might have to go off him but 4100 a guy that can base two years ago would basically just go up for the ball anytime and pretty much take it down. Uh, he's got, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the entire NFL from when he was there. I don't, I'm assuming if you're not drinking and you're not smoking and you're not doing drugs, you're probably going to be in better physical shape than he was before. He's been training for the last six months with other people. So it's not like he's completely out of NFL shape. I just think that there's a spot where Hayward's going to be more on Coleman because he's the guy that's more acclimated to the offense. So that leaves him with the second best quarterback in the offense or the third best quarterback in the offense that I don't think is going to be able to do that much against a guy that's this physically gifted. That is fair. I I mean, I think that this will gain traction just because people will be scared to miss out on a monster game. Bobby, 
Josh Gordon, what if I tell you he is 15% owned? How interested are you in him this week? Uh, 25% owned-ish. I, I'm, I'm interested. I believe in the, the guy. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's just, I, it's 4,100 for a guy that has upside. That's ridiculous. Uh, it'll be, it, maybe it's too soon, but I'm willing to take that chance probably at, uh, if he's 15% owned again, things might open up. Somebody else might pop out who might get a bigger role or something. But as of right now, I would say that's right where I'm at. I, I think that there is a – there's just very little – you're not going to find guys at this price range usually that have this kind of upside. There are probably uh, at least one or two listeners who have literally never even heard of Josh Gordon before. Yeah. Uh, if, he, if, you know, if people didn't get into DFS or even fantasy sports until a couple of years ago. Um, so – for anybody wondering, Josh Gordon has been suspended off and on for the last several years. Uh, he led the NFL in receiving at what, like the age of 22, playing only 14 games. Um, last time he played, so 2014, his last three games were four catches for 45 yards, three for 48, and two for 15. Um and then before that, he had seven for 75 and eight for 120. I mean, obviously the talent's there. I just think with how few touchdowns this team scores, with how good the Chargers corners are, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I'm iffy. Uh, of course, going back to 2013, he had a 261-yard game and a 237-yard game back-to-back weeks and then followed those up with a disappointing 151 yards. I mean, this dude is an absolute monster on the field. Um, you know, he has the talent of Julio Jones, the talent of Calvin Johnson as far as physical skills. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be scary to fade him. I, I can't I can't imagine that I'll be able to go there in cash games just because the floor oh, no. the floor is, you know, six to eight points. But I also think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets up to like 40% in cash games because typically these guys that are 20% in tournaments – they do get up to 40% in cash games. And um, I think there's just going to be a lot of people who don't want to – like Josh Gordon can end up making or breaking your week this week. So um, I think it's a little bit tough. It's a tough thing to figure out. Um, another guy who could blow up this week against the one of the, the two worst pass defenses in the NFL is D.D. Westbrook. So D.D. Westbrook saw 10 targets this last week. It was uh, obviously skewed by the fact that Patrick Peterson was on Marquise Lee. We, I believe we talked on the show last week about what a great spot DD was in. Frustratingly, he was only able to turn it into a six for 41 line, but uh, he's the same price as Josh Gordon. And this is a guy who led college football in receiving last year, led the NFL in receiving in the preseason this year, uh, missed most of this season with core muscle after getting core muscle surgery. He's also held back by a bad quarterback. I think that's the the concern. But D.D. Westbrook against Indianapolis, I, I think the big difference here is we expect the Browns to be trailing. We expect the Jags to have a lead at home against Indy. Like, if if we expected the Jags to be trailing, I would imagine we'd all be on D.D. over Gordon just because the targets would be guaranteed, better matchup. We know what we're getting. But uh, with the Jags likely to be ahead all game, Bobby, what's your level of interest in Didi in just a phenomenal matchup? 
Yeah, I think that it's a great spot, and I'll probably just go with it anyway, even though I'm worried about those things as well. It's also a good opportunity if they are like, you know, they'll they'll play like bully ball and try and, you know, get their offense comfortable and get portal some junk things if they have something going. So I don't think that it totally eliminates them even if they're in a blowout. Um, I think they'll throw the ball enough. Uh, they like to do weird things. Um but so I, I mean, I just think that it's the upside is so there. I don't want to miss out on him. It's going to be important again to look at ownership. This is a big factor and I'm guessing he's going to be pretty popular. So I also don't mind fading him if he gets to be too popular in this spot. Uh, Grant, what are your thoughts on D.D. Westbrook this week against Indy? Um, Boros likes to throw a real, real easy, easy ball, easy ball. He- D.D. Westbrook's the kind of guy that likes to catch an easy ball and do something with it. It's just math. Um, the last time – Bortles has thrown 30 times. And let's see, four straight and five of the last six games. Of course, um, the one that he didn't was against Indy, but it was still 26 attempts. They, well, they're also up, they also won 27 to zero. Well, yeah, so, and I think that's the concern again in this spot. Um, well, also in that – if you want to get on that page – um, in that game, Blake Burles f- threw for 330 yards in there his best game of the year. Um, I don't really care. The main reason why he had 10 targets last week is because Marquise Lee, I'm assuming, got, I didn't watch the game yet, but Marquise Lee, I'm assumed, was shadowed by Peterson, which yeah. obviously is going to focus targets other places. But, I mean, if he's going to throw the ball 30 times, there's going to be a few dump-offs to the running back, but not a whole lot, um, especially if they're going from ahead. They're going to give easy passes that they're, they're – he's still going to pass it a bit if they're ahead. It's just going to happen. It happens pretty much any time they're ahead. I mean, they've been leading most games this season, and yet look at the last three. Nine, against Cleveland, they were up 19-7. to seven. He still threw 30 passes. Against Cincinnati, they won 23-7. He still threw 38 passes. It's going to happen, and D.D. Westbrook is going to be one of the main recipients because it's something that can hide Bortles' complete ineptitude of passing the ball. So I'm still fine with him. Um, the fact that there are a lot of lots of guys in that price range will keep his ownership a little bit low, and I'll still use a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, like you guys have both said, and Grant, I was kind of playing devil's advocate there. I, I like DD this week, and I think that the this concern about Bortles not throwing is a little bit overblown. Like you said, most of the time he's throwing 30 times, uh, you know, in, in two of their last – uh, it's only been two of their last, I guess, 10 games that he's been under 30 pass attempts. And we got to think this is a playoff team. You know, they're tied with the Titans for the division lead, but the only teams that can catch him in the wild card right now, I mean, realistically are the Ravens and Bills who the Jaguars are much better teams than them. So this is a team that is going to take opportunities even with a big lead to keep acclimating Bortles to situations where he's throwing the ball and hopefully – turning him from an absolutely awful quarterback to, you know, a team, that, a quarterback that doesn't kill your team and keep giving him opportunities to throw to Marquise Lee, who, by the way, had three straight games of double-digit targets before um, Patrick Peterson held him down to only two targets. So, yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to be throwing the ball. I think that uh, Marquise Lee will go overlooked with people on DD for 1,100 less. So I think Lee is also interesting in tournaments. Both guys are definitely viable this week. Um, last one I want to talk about is two offenses that had been trending in different directions for a lot of the year. And uh, one of them is the Atlanta Falcons who bounced back last week, I guess the last couple of weeks against Seattle and Tampa. Um, 
but also they're you know these are good defenses Minnesota versus Atlanta so Minnesota has a great defense Atlanta doesn't have a great defense but uh third fewer third fewest yards per pass attempt allowed this year at least that was the stat coming in the last week so are we expecting this Minnesota Atlanta game to be high scoring in a place you just load up on the offenses or are we expecting it to be a little more of a defensive struggle? Grant, I'll go to you first on this one. Um, I think it's going to be somewhere in between. Uh, I think the current spread is what, or the current over under is 44. It's in Atlanta. It's in a dome. I Uh, expect 47 and a half. 47 and a half. Oh, all right. Yeah. I mean, realistically this, it could go any different direction, but this is, kind of a similar matchup to what was it Washington three weeks ago when Case Keenum and uh, Kirk Cousins both put up big games. I mean, it's a very, very similar matchup. I could easily see Dig, Diggs and Thielen both putting up a huge game, even Rudolph in this scenario. Um, he's probably actually the best play here. I could see all of them putting up a big game and Keenum putting up a big game. I mean, they're playing – they're putting up points on a week-in, week-out basis. Atlanta, they can put up points on anyone. They can also be just absolute trash versus anyone. So I'm not going to be, be surprised regardless. The fact that there's a three-point spread in the, that Atlanta's uh, favored, I expect that they're probably either going to – they could win in a close game or they're going to get completely blown out. You just don't know which one's going to show up. And the fact that it's at home, it's a reason for the three-point spread. I really like the Minnesota side of the ball. I'm not a big fan of the Atlanta side of the ball. Yeah, I think that's about where I am. Uh, I would be interested. And I don't think in cash games I'll uh, pay up for Thielen or, you know, Diggs hasn't been seeing the targets. And the backfield is, you know, a split workload. So I think I'll probably stay away in cash games. Keenum is is viable, but there are other, you know, cheap quarterbacks that I really like. And Minnesota's defense is probably too good for me to want to attack them. But I do think that there is – viability in tournaments. Bobby, how are you viewing this game here at the front end of the week? This is my love at first sight. Um, what? Yeah, I love this game. I think it's a great spot. I think that both these offenses can play with anybody when they're forced to. And I think they're also good enough to where the defense doesn't have to matter all that much. So I, I, I'm a big fan of this game, and especially because I think people won't be on Atlanta's side of the ball. I'm interested in stacking it in a lot of different ways. I really, really love uh, every part of this game. I'm a believer now, not so much necessarily in Keenum, but in the situation for him. And he's a little bit of a slinger, which, you know, I like the, you know, I obviously want if I'm going to have a shootout too. Um, Even if the guy's like, you know, if he gets picked a couple times, I just want to be in a game (laughs) that they're both playing at a, I don't know. I I feel like the, I'll bet the over on that that 47 and a half, because this is definitely one of the games I'm most interested in at, at first glance, but again, it's really early in the week, but right now it's definitely the first one that stood out. I think uh, what you said about these are teams that can keep up with anyone when forced to is definitely an interesting way to look at it. Um, And I think that's probably why there's this risk of, okay, maybe this game won't shoot out is if neither team gets those early scores, then this could turn into a game where, you know, things get slowed down and they slug it back and forth. But yeah, if, if one team scores, an early touchdown or, you know, a couple early touchdowns. And this really could turn into a back and forth shootout type affair. Um, Definitely an interesting perspective on it. Not the way I was looking at this game, but, you know, gives me another thing to consider again, obviously um, 
I'll be doing a lot more research throughout the week anyway, but that's a, a different perspective on it. Um, which brings us to Love at First Sight, and I guess Bobby's given us his game, but Grant, you still get to give us a story. So what do you have for us? I honestly forgot that this was a segment until this moment right now. <laughs> but I bet you have somebody that you fell in love with recently. No, I don't, I don't think I, I really... Yeah, apparently it's Tickle Siege in our Tickle Fights. <laughs> I don't know. Bobby, has anything weird happened to me? What was a weird thing that happened to me in Nashville? I guess I can go back. One that I haven't mentioned before. I don't when know. I fall in love. I don't I remember I you falling in love this last time. Oh, All right, Grant. What's your what's your game of the week then? I'm I'm gonna think about it after I say my game. But the game of the week is Cleveland at Chargers. Who do you think I'm interested in on the Chargers side of the ball? Ooh, Keenan Allen, nope. Philip Rivers, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, Eckler, Gordon, and Philip Rivers. 0% of Keenan Allen this week is going to be overowned and it's a trap game. They, he's not he's probably going he's probably going to end up with 6 to 7 targets this week would be my guess. Um this is not the type of matchup where he's going to get any usage at all. They're giving a little bit more chances to Benjamin and throwing the deep ball to him a little bit. Chargers are 13 and a half point favorite. I think that's way blown out of proportion and it's not even going to be close to that. This is going to be a close game here. Gordon's going ham, Kaiser's going ham. Coleman has a Shot at a decent game. I won the, either Coleman or Gordon is just going to go absolutely nuts. Henry is going to just destroy this Cleveland defense. There's another good matchup for him, similar to last week when I liked him. Um, and Eckler is really turning into the really better running back in this committee. Uh, there's going to be a lot of usage between him and Gordon because they want to force to run the ball regardless. And they like to pass the ball out of the backfield. And Cleveland gives up a lot of throws to running backs out of the backfield. Uh, backfield i love all those parts of this game and i'm going to go heavy on all of them wow i didn't see that one coming uh i agree with you that i think that spread is too big and it even opened at 13 and has risen up to 13 and a half uh i i think the chargers are a very good team but i think that cleveland has the weapons to um you know with josh gordon coming back to put up some points even against a tough Chargers defense and i think their defense is pretty good so FYI, uh, you can think, also start the Chargers D. Yep, you can start the Chargers D. You can start uh, you can start Kaiser and the Chargers D. Typically, I'm I'm 100% on board a week in and week out ever with starting a running back against the defense because uh, running back, if you can get those catches, if it's a pass-catching running back, you're rostering the defense for those sacks, those interceptions, those uh, defensive touchdowns. That's not taking away from the running back you're not rostering a defense for them preventing points from being scored. Uh, that's the wrong way to roster defenses. Uh, quarterbacks, I don't usually like to do it because interceptions, you know, sacks slash fumble loses points for the quarterback while giving points to the defense. But uh, I think this is a week where you know that the Chargers defense is going to put up points, but with Josh Gordon there, with Coleman there, I think Kaiser's still viable in tournaments this week, and you can roll them out there together. He's my cash game quarterback on DK at this point. That is quite bold, and I'll try to talk you out of that this week. <laughs> uh, also, let's not forget that he can run the ball. He has, what, an average of six rushing att- seven rushing attempts in the last four games. He's gotten four or five rushing touchdowns on the season. If you're talking about giving a quarterback a floor, rushing touchdowns and rushing yards are the easiest way to do that. He's 4500 the actual minimum price, and now he has receiving weapons. Uh, I mean, that's fair. 
That's fair. Uh, there are like five other cheap quarterbacks I like a little bit more, but um, you know, roll with it. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to go with Carolina at New Orleans, which seems obvious because it has an over under of 48. But I just think that the uh, you know the presence of that Carolina defense kind of makes people shy away. I am willing to bet on the Saints offense putting up points. I think this is a spot where, if, especially if Ken Crawley and Marcus Lattimore are both out again, we saw this last week, obviously, that this is not as good of a pass defense without, you know, two guys who have played as two of the best corners in football. That's not surprising that the pass defense will take a step back. So if those guys miss again this week, I think it's a good spot for the Panthers to hang with the Saints and force the Saints to stay aggressive throughout. So I will definitely have interest in that game. This week, none of us said anything super crazy this week that we can turn to as a bold call. Um, I guess now we'll have less than 10 points. There you go. Um, One of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. I will consider that an extraordinarily bold call. Um, I will. Gee, I don't know I, if it's extraordinarily bold, but it's bold. Extraordinarily bold. I mean, the Keenan, guy who's been the highest scoring wide receiver over the last two weeks. Yeah, I think it's. Had, a, I don't agree with it. I just think it's bold. I just don't know if it's incredibly bold. Okay, let's let's do this. Any wide receiver over seven k, um, who will have the least amount of points this week? They have to be playing, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, over seven k, you've got Shepard, you've got Mike Evans, you've got New Hopkins. I mean, I'm kind of with you on Keenan Allen being the lowest scoring out of these guys. Darn it. I thought I had you guys. Um, I, I had you guys. I think there's an uh, – I don't what know. What about wide receivers? No. How about the fact that you're taking Kaiser as your cash game quarterback? Oh, you want to go quarterbacks? I'll go with I, Kaiser point per dollar I'll go with anyone. any of these quarterbacks that we mentioned as a higher point Yeah, you point can have McCown. I'll take McCown. Bobby, you can have Hundley. I don't want Hundley. Um, I want you want Tyrod. Considering it, I feel like that could go very wrong. I know, right? Same um, thing with McCown, though. Uh, <laughs> like, same thing with Kaiser, guys. Watch Grant win with Kaiser. Watch uh, me blow everyone out of the water with Kaiser. Is it weird that I want? I'm like kicking safety, and I almost jumped to Simeon. <laughs> I know. I was my my thought too. <laughs> I think that is what it is. I think it's, it's the safest uh, one of the group. You know what though, like. I'll take – what about if I'm I take Simeon? I'm taking Tyrod. I'm taking Tyrod. I'm going to – God, I hate switching. That always kills us, doesn't it? I'm going to switch to Simeon. You're really taking Simeon over Kaiser. Oh, gosh. Who was the other one you had? Who did you have to take before that? I had Jan. McCown before. I'll take McCown. All right. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, God. Really? Really? This is, do you really think that Simeon's going to score more points than Kaiser? Yeah, I think Simeon's yeah. going to put up 15 to 20. I think Kaiser's going to put up maybe – 15 to 20, but maybe 10. So with a all-star, essentially wide receiver added to the offense where he put 20 points up against a similarly good defense last week, not going to happen again. Okay. Who ends up with more points, Kaiser or the Chargers defense? (laughs) Well, they're both going to end up with 30. Kaiser's going to rush for four touchdowns and the Chargers are going to pick six him four times. Uh, I love that question, Bobby. Um, I'm going to go with Chargers defense. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Chargers put up like 22 and Kaiser puts up like 16. They're similarly priced. <laughs> well, just expect whoever loses is probably getting another vibrator to tweet. 
Well, God. <laughs> All right, I'm switching to McCown. Oh, wait, you have McCown, Bobby. All right, I'll switch to Tyrod. Bobby takes McCown. Grant I'm has Tyrod. PBD, and I have – all he has to do is get 20% less because he's a thousand less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I'll take, I'll take Tyrod. I'll take the uh, better well, quarterback not... who can also run. Okay. God, this is going to be a By the way, for less grand. than 13,000, you can get Kaiser, Gordon, and Coleman into the lineup with most likely 20 targets between the two with rushing touchdown upside from Kaiser. And then you can throw in all the high priced guys you want afterwards. That's a lot of targets between the two, guaranteed. It is. Um, well, you don't. You haven't seen a single situation like you have this week, where he has two guys to throw it to. They're going to be coming from behind. They're going to be passing the ball a lot. Oh, great! It, it was took how many minutes into the show before Grant said coming from behind? He says it a hundred times every show, and he finally said it. It took him a <laughs> long time. Uh. Uh, I feel like that's a fairly common phrase when you're talking about fantasy football. Who's the who's Especially the quarterback? We're talking about fantasy football. <laughs> who's the quarterback likeliest to get injured out of all these? Cheap it's guys? Kaiser. I know it's Kaiser. <laughs> well, that's our handicap, uh, Bobby. Yeah. Who's the quarterback most likely to get yanked this week? I mean, what Tyrod? You think? I don't oh, think yeah. Tyrod is. I forgot. I forgot you switched from Simeon. Yeah, I don't even think they could do that to Simeon at this point because oh, what are they going to do, put Osweiler back in? Paxton Lynch is out for two to four weeks. They're just – God, that team is such a mess right now. I mean, uh, they know that Kevin Hogan and Kessler are both not the quarterback of the future. They're going to get a high pick, so there's no point in them not throwing the game. Yanking Kaiser is just going to be real dumb in this game if they do, even if they're really far behind. There's no oh, reason yeah, to. I mean, Kaiser's as, Kevin big, as the president of the Kevin Hogan fan club, that must have hurt you to say, Grant. <laughs> I mean, people disagree. I still think Tim Tebow should be an NFL quarterback, but I, I logically know that no team's going to sign him. Well, Man, but he's on a team. This is a different situation. He's on a team that needs a quarterback. <laughs> talking about Hogan? Yeah. 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 yeah, there's no logic to when Kaiser does well. Like, he, he's done awful against Tennessee and the Jets. Uh, he did yeah, there's a lot of logic well he has a wide Pittsburgh. receiver that's not named Kenny Britt as a number one. He did well and against a wide receiver not named Lewis as a number two. There's a very there's very much logic to this. All right, I'm I'm honestly starting to realize that Kaiser's not an awful play. Man, oh, who God. would have thought this week we'd be talking about Kaiser for like ten minutes? All right, so now Bobby, I'm just hoping to I'm hoping to beat you. Uh, what? Well, yeah, I kind of think Kaiser's after, after after you took this quarterback, left him. I will know. I, I, what a sneaky move, Jay. I like McCown more. Hey, I'll swap you. I you like McCown more than Tyrod. This. You guys plan this. I definitely like McCown more than Tyrod. I'm just now concerned that Kaiser's going to beat us, and it's going to be you or me. <laughs> it's be you want to swap? No. Uh, also, something to keep in mind when Chargers pick off the ball, they always take it for a touchdown. So. He just gets the ball right back. It's minus one point and on to the next play. Uh, on that note, uh, that's not like coincidence either because the entire Chargers defense is designed to push the ball outside the numbers, which those are the types of passes that lead to pick sixes. So, I, I mean, not that anyone's wondering if the Chargers are a good play this week, but they, uh, like, they do have a higher likelihood of pick sixes than most teams just because 
the nature of the throws that they force. Uh, I'm wasting time because I'm trying to figure out if I want to switch to Trevor Simeon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right, man. all right. I got a, I got a plan. Um, Bobby, since I feel like I'm competing against you now, um, right hand or left hand? For what? I, I have right one quarterback hand. in my right hand. I have one quarterback in my left hand. Which one am I picking? Right. Oh God, that's Trevor Simeon. <laughs> all right, there, there he is. With, we got Simeon. All right, uh, Bobby. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, uh, good luck to everyone this week. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and hopefully uh, you guys uh, tell your friends. And hopefully uh, none of us have vibrator tweets next week. Um, <laughs> Grant, final thoughts before we get out of here. In my older age, it takes me an entire week to recover from an entire week-long bender. I have now recovered from the RG party. Congratulations. you were worried. Get ready for next year. Um, for Bobby Five, for Jeannie for Zero Seven, I am Jam to Win. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you back here next week, same time, same place, for more vibrator tweets, and we will see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Tickets! <laughs>